It's very easy for Batman Lego to say no, but I found that for adults, it's very difficult. In fact, toddlers even have an easier time saying no than we do. For instance, if you go to little Joey and you say, Joey, eat your vegetables. No. Okay. Abby, why don't you come over here? No. Chris, pick up your clothes. No. I just said that this morning. So, uh... <laughs> hey, it's just a small little two-letter word, but many times it's very difficult for us to say. And I think the reason is, is because many times when we think of the word no, we think of something that's negative, that is bad, that there's some finality to it. But when we think of the word yes, we're like, oh, yeah, that's positive, that's good. But what I've started to notice in my own life, and I would challenge you, it's more important that we say more no's than we do yeses. So how many of you in this place today have a hard time saying no? Raise your hand. Go ahead. You're recovering. Okay. Put your hands down. All those that didn't raise their hand, what we call them? Liars. Yeah, that's right. They're liars. Because all of us at different points in our life, we have a hard time saying no. Now, you may not have a hard time with some people. You're like, oh, I can say no to them, whatever. But if it's like your grandchild or, you know, your, your spouse or your friend or your boss or whoever it is, sometimes you have a hard time saying no. And many times when we say no, we don't just say no, we have to have an excuse so we feel better about ourselves. For instance, someone comes up and says, hey, can you do this? And you're like, boy, I'd really love to, but I need to say no because my schedule's kind of busy. Or someone will come up and they'll ask you to do something else. You're like, man, I'd, I'd enjoy that, but I've got to do this, I've got to do that, you know, whatever it is. Folks, why is it when we say no that we feel this sense that we have to have an excuse connected to it. Why do we have to have flowery excuses? Why can't we just say in a nice way, no? Well, Jesus, I think, understood this most of all. And so he gave us a verse in the Bible, in the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous teaching in Matthew chapter five. And he says this, let's read it out loud together, all in one voice, starting with the word let. Let's read it together. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, the context of Jesus saying this is that he is on this mountain teaching a a group of people. But some people who are present are Pharisees. They are legalistic, religious, Bible-thumping people. And what they're doing is they're creating kind of a rift in the crowd saying he's not really who he says he is. We are because when we something we when we say something, we swear on scripture or we swear on Jerusalem or we swear in some other way. And the reason they were saying this is because they wanted to sidestep the truth. Have you ever noticed that before? Some person can be lying to you, but they'll try to say, I swear, man, I swear. And you're like, they're just saying that because they want you to think that they're more serious about what they're actually trying to say. When the reality is, it's just a lie. They would swear to God, these Pharisees would. They would swear to family. They would swear on the city of Jerusalem. They would do anything to sidestep the truth. 
And Jesus comes up to him one day and he's like, guys, 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 you don't have to do that. Just let your yes be yes and let your no be no. In other words, he was saying, hey, guys, if you have a relationship with God and you're connected, then you have good character and you can be noble. And every time that you say yes, you'll mean it. And every time you say no, you mean it. And so you don't have to go down the maybe road. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. So this week, how many times have you said yes just to get someone off your back? How many times have you said no, but then you didn't follow through with whatever it was? So this morning, I want to give to you a big idea of these two words, yes and no, that connect together. And it's this. Today we're talking about no, so saying no is always about saying a bigger yes. Every time that you say no to something, you're saying yes to something that is bigger. No and yes, they fit together. For example, if you say no to some things, but you say yes to your relationship with Christ, you grow. You have to say no to some things if you want to spend some time with your spouse. You've got to say no to some things if you want to be with your kids. You have to say no to some things if you want to have more value in family relationships. So this word no actually allows us to get to a bigger yes. Now, what I want to do in the first part here is give you some biblical characters who said no for a bigger yes. And I'll just go through these kind of quickly. The first one is a guy by the name of Moses. Now, Moses, you might remember, was the guy who was given the Ten Commandments from God to give to the people of Israel, to God's people. And also, he was given power to part the Red Sea through God's power and to walk across to the other side. But something you may not know is that Moses was in line to be the president of Egypt. And they were grooming him for this. And when they got to the point of actually doing that, he said, no. Think about that. To be the most powerful person in the world. And he said, no. And why did he say no? He said no to a bigger yes. And what was the bigger yes? God came to him and said, I am going to give you the opportunity now to not just have one little country called Egypt, but I'm going to let you lead my people, a million people who have been in slavery for 400 years, and you will be the one who will take them into the promised land. And he said no to one thing for a bigger yes. I think of a group of people. Uh, In Daniel chapter 3, three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So for those of you that are pregnant or you're looking for babies' names, here we go. Uh, Just for you, okay? We want to be a full-fledged church here for you. And these three guys were governors of provinces and in Persia. And so in this, they were like, you know, the governor of the state of Indiana. And finally, this king comes to them, the king Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, hey, guys, we've got a new thing now. Uh, if you're going to remain in your positions, what you have to do is you have to worship all of my gods that are made out of wood, stone, and metal. So go ahead. And 
you also have to worship this 90-foot statue of me. And if you don't do that, you're in trouble. And you know what they said? No, I'm not doing it. There's only one true God that I'll worship. I won't worship them. They took the three of them. They put them in this fiery furnace. And supernaturally, God somehow comes in the midst of that, saves their life. And this is what is said of these three guys. One of the few times it's said in Scripture, they were called true followers of the Lord. And why? Because they said no to a bigger yes of following Christ or following God. Here's the next guy, one of Jesus' followers, a guy by the name of Matthew. This dude was loaded. I mean, he was like uh, Bill Gates. He just had tons of money. He was a CPA at his own partner firm. Everything's going well for Matthew. And all of a sudden, this carpenter comes to him one day and says, Hey, why don't you follow me? Leave your little tax collecting booth and come follow me. And the weirdest thing is, he left money... And he said no to money. He said no to riches. And he said yes to something bigger, which was Christ. And he and the other disciples came together and they turned the world upside down in a movement that no other movement has lasted or withstood as Christianity. But the ultimate person who said a no for a bigger yes was Jesus himself. Right after Jesus was baptized, he's taken into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights where he doesn't eat. And during that time, after he's done with that, Satan comes to him and tempts him. He says, hey, Jesus, 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 I know you're hungry, dude. And you see these stones? Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus goes to Scripture and says, man cannot live by bread alone, but every word of God. And he quotes something right back to him. And he says, no, I won't do it. Satan wasn't done with him. He comes to him a second time. He says, hey, Jesus, throw yourself off the temple. If you throw yourself off the temple, you know, you're like Superman flying out there. And if you kind of like save yourself, everyone will finally look at you and they'll be like, he is God. I mean, he threw himself off the temple and he wasn't hurt. He is God. And Jesus said, no. And he quoted scripture again. Finally, a third time, Satan comes to him and says, hey, 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 Jesus, Jesus, look at everything around you see. I know you're 100% human. I know you're 100% God, but look at everything. All of this, this could be you. This could be all of yours, everything on planet Earth. And again, Jesus said no. And he turned to Scripture to tell him why. And so the question is this. Why did Jesus three times say no No, no. It was because of a bigger yes. You know what the bigger yes was for him? The cross. He said yes to the cross. The father asked him to go, to leave from heaven, to come down, and he said, yes, I'll go to the cross. And even though other people around were like, no, 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 all of his disciples, everyone saw him, no, 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 don't do that, no. He went through the suffering. He went through the pain. He went through the torture. He went through nails being through his hands and his feet and a sword through his side. And he did all of that because of a bigger yes. And you know who the bigger yes is? You. And you. And you. And you. 
He said no to some things that Satan was trying to tempt him into for a bigger yes on the cross, which cost him, but gave us freedom from our sins. No guilt, no fear. So, what I'd like to do for the rest of our time is to actually talk about some practical no's that I think you should take to live a healthier life. And I just want to let all the parents know, if you have young children in here, when we get to point three, okay, point three, you choose on your own what you want to do. But on three, we're going to talk about sex, okay? So you can choose on that. Now, all the men, all of a sudden, when I said that, were like, man, when's point three coming? I got that circled, starred, I'm ready for point three, okay? So now, with that teaser, let's go ahead, let's jump in. And what are some of the no's you must say in your relational world to live a healthier life? Here's the first one. Drain no. Now, I'm not talking about the stuff you put down your, uh, you know, sink, get it all cleaned up or unclogged, okay? No, I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about another drain no, okay? When... I was in high school. I volunteered to work at a camp, a church camp, for one week. And while I was there, I was a counselor, and this little kid runs up to me one day, and he's like, ah, and he had something on his arm, and this is what it was. Anybody know what that is? Leech. Now, I didn't know anything about leeches because I was like 16. So I'm like, well, we're going to rip it off, dude. And I got ready to like rip it off. And someone who was much wiser than me was like, no, that's when a good no is. And they told me, you know, if you rip it off, cause a lot of pain. If the leech has some poison in it or something can go into the bloodstream, like, no. So there was another guy that was with us, Wilderness Joe. And he's like this, let's burn it off. Come here, boy. Let me see your arm. We'll burn it off. And this little kid's like, no, Well, luckily, there was a woman around all of these guys and trying to take care of this leech who was a nurse, and she knew exactly what to do, and she took it off, and everything was fine, and the little boy was so glad that it did not get ripped off or burnt off like we were thinking of doing. Now, in saying all of this about leeches, I want to say this. Leeches can mess you up, and the reality is that when it comes to a relational world, some of you have some leeches in your life. Well, that's, there we go. She just said what everybody else was thinking, you know what I mean? Now, this is what I call it. I call it relationships, okay? Relationships, okay? All of us have some people who are drainers of us. And the thing is, when you get a leech or a drainer that's connected, you've got to get rid of that as soon as you can because if not, they stick and they suck energy out of you. And what happens is once they start sucking so much energy, and if you give them more time or more energy, they'll take even more. 
And if you do that over time, what happens is you have less and less time for the significant relationships in your life, and all of those people simply get your leftovers. Your husband gets your leftovers, your wife gets your leftovers, your kids get your leftovers, everyone else gets your leftovers. And family can do that for a period of time. Your friends get your leftovers. Friends can do that for a period of time. But eventually, they're done. So here's my question. How many of you have some leeches in your life? How many of you are choosing not to set some boundaries and to put them in place? Now, I'm not saying that you ignore these people. I'm not saying you, like, kick them to the curb and say, get out of my life, I don't ever want to see you again. But we need to move toward people who actually encourage us. See, what's more important is that you have replenishers in your life. You have some people around you that are going to build into your life to lift you up, to get you to where God wants to take you. Now, again, in saying this, it doesn't mean this, that today, or don't do it right now even, you get out your phone and you're like start deleting all of your leeches. Or when they come up to you, you're like, don't ever talk to me again. I don't want to ever see you ever again. That's not the Jesus way. Jesus had some drainers in his life. There might even be some in this gym. There might be one on the stage. That sometimes Jesus is just like, seriously, bunch, you're killing me. But we must choose to only have a few relationships so that we can say yes to the most important significant relationships. And so with that, folks, you have to say no to something for a bigger yes. So repeat after me, Drano. Drano. That's good. Some of you even had that. Drano. Good. That's good. All right. Here's the second one. Don't judge me on this one until you hear the whole thing. Here's the second one. Techno. That was a husband. I can tell. No, I'm joking. Now, techno is great. Everything that you see that we've been able to do here today and to have this worship experience, which is awesome, is because of technology. Praise God for technology. However, technology unchecked can mess you up. And if you aren't careful, it can rule your life. I was thinking about it this week. You may be controlled by technology if you send more texts during dinner than you talk to your family. Okay? You may be controlled by technology if you take your work laptop, your tablet, or your Surface Pro on vacation just to have it close to you. You may be controlled by technology if You check your Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and Tumblr more than five times a day. You may be controlled by technology if you bring your cell phone to church and in the middle of it, you start FaceTiming with somebody. It's a long one today, dude. He's boring. Girlfriend, what you got going on today? I think he saw me. I can't tell you how many times I've stood up here, and some of you are real slick. You think I don't see you. You're like, 
Jesus, I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Again, folks, cell phones are great, but when we're texting and Facebooking and FaceTiming and talking, we might be missing out on significant conversations with people around us. Because each time that you choose this, you may just be missing a replenishing conversation with someone at church or at work or in your family that will fill you up more than anything you could do with this device. Again, folks, technology isn't bad. It's just it needs to be balanced in our life. Because even though technology is an awesome tool, at the end of this is a tail, and this is the pit bull. And this pit bull has a tail called our plug-in. And every time we plug it in and we keep it there, it starts barking at us. Pick me up. Let me talk to somebody. Let me text somebody. Let me see something on the Internet. It can eat you up with your connection with Christ. Typically, this is my routine every single day, Tuesday through Saturday. I get, or Tuesday through Friday. I get up and I take the girls to school and at 7.30 I go and I pray. I read my Bible, I pray, I journal. And then after that, I've tried to make a commitment this year to spend 10 minutes just listening to God and to God's voice. Well, on Tuesday, I did all of this. I got to my 10 minutes, and I thought, man, I need to check and see what's up with uh, if anyone's texting me. So I pick up my phone. I see all these texts. I text them back. I see I got a couple of phone calls, so I write something down to make sure that I call them back. Then all of a sudden, I look at a few uh, sports scores, and then I look at uh, some uh, CNN to see, you know, what's going on with the hurricanes and all that kind of stuff. I look at a couple of other uh, things on news that way. For all of you Fox News people, okay, I do Fox News too. So uh, do that as well. And then all of a sudden I realize I've gone over 10 minutes and I have an appointment that I have to go to. And I don't know if you've ever done this before or not, but have you ever made a deal with God before where you're like, oh, I'm going to spend time with God today. And then you're like, hey, God, I'll get you later on in the day. Later on in the day, I'll get with you. And what do you think happened on Tuesday? Nothing. I ignored it altogether. And by the time I remembered it, life had totally changed and I went on with my day. So Wednesday comes, same routine, drop the girls off, go do my prayer time. I'm reading scripture, journaling. I get to my phone again and all of a sudden I get ready to do it. And I'm like, I'm just going to do a couple of things here real quick, God. And this is what I sensed in my spirit. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I really am. No, you're not. Chris, do you remember on Tuesday what you did? I'm like, ah. And I don't do this all the time, but on that time, I put it to the car seat beside me because I was in my car, and I go, stay. <laughs> and I stopped, and I listened for 10 minutes. And this is what I sense God said. I am right here, and I will never walk away. 
Do you think that was worth 10 minutes? That would have been worth 10 years for some of you in this place. I'm with you, and I will never walk away. Now, I'd love to say that that's the only time I've ever had that issue before was on Tuesday, but it's not. I struggle with technology too, and it gets in the way of my time with God. And this is what I've realized. Every time I choose this, I forfeit some time with God or other significant things in my life. So maybe some of you are like me. You struggle with that. And so you need to be able to say today, tech, no. Now, the reason why I think we struggle so much with this is because for most of us, we don't like to be still. We always have to be on the go and doing. We don't like to be still, and technology helps us not to be still. But Scripture says this. In Psalms, it says this. Be still and know that I am God. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's this correlation between knowing God and being still. In other words, you can't know God unless you're still. So here are some baby steps that you might choose to take this week. And maybe for some of you, you'd write it down or you'd commit to it. One of them is this. I'm going to turn this off for 15 minutes in a day, and I'm just going to spend time reading Scripture, praying, writing down a couple of thoughts, maybe trying to listen to God. Maybe for others of you, you say, I'm going to turn this off and put it down when I'm having dinner with my family. One of the things that we've committed to in this year is that we don't talk on the phone or text when we have dinner around the table. Why? Because if you get that in there, you don't get to know each other as well. And so that's a commitment we've made. You might say, I'm not going to check Facebook or any other social media except twice a day. Just in the morning and in the evening. Not every time there's a Facebook message, they like me, they like me, why don't they like me? Why are they not, oh, there it is, now it is, ah. And don't tell me you don't feel that way because you do. It sucks you in. It can be a leech, okay? You got to be careful. Again, folks, technology is not bad, but if it's not balanced, it has the possibility of killing some of the significant relationships that are around you. So this week, for some of you, you need to say techno. Here's the third one, and it's something that is so in our culture that we need to say no to, and it's this. Porn, no. Porno. Now, immediately when I say this, most of the women and wives are looking at all the men going, you better be listening to this. Just... I don't deal with this. You do. You struggle with this. You struggle with it much more than I do, so figure it out. Well, let me say this. Women can, can commit pornography as well. And the way that they do is by the way they either dress or they act. If you wear something that is tighter than saran wrap, folks, and you're walking around, and everybody can see that, that's why you're committing in the same light, if you wear your blouse so low so everybody can see the cleavage of, well, I'll just leave it there. If they can see all that, then, then that's not it either. 
Now, there's no doubt that men struggle with this much more than women do. But help us out, women. Folks, the reality is all of us, men and women, we are tempted and we are pulled by sexual temptation all the time because it's all over our culture, 24-7, 365 days a year. And it's difficult to go almost anywhere without images of sexuality being all around us. So we need to be able to say, poor no. Now, I need to say this. I'm not a prude. I think sex is great. Sex isn't bad. Sex is good. God created sex to be good. We are made in his image, and he has given us the gift of sex. And he's given us a desire to have sex for, or sexual thoughts for the opposite sex. And God has told us throughout the Bible to do sex his way. And sex his way is a man and a woman committed in marriage to one another. But so often what happens is, is that the God-given gift that he's given to us has a God-forbidden way that we turn it into. I mean, we take lust, and all of a sudden we get into lust, and we take that, and God takes umbrage with that because all of a sudden when we, when we don't, do lust the right way, it gets haywire. And we start doing weird things. And what are some of the things that we do? We get a sexually romantic novel. Like, women, how many of you read Fifty Shades? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Fifty Shades of Grey or Day or Fifty Shades of whoever, you know? And we do that. Or those soft porn movies that we look at. Or things on the internet. And so many things that become something that ambushes what God wants to do in our lives. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we have a person by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament that tells us when sexual temptation comes, I'm going to give you an out what you should do. And here's the scripture. Let's all say the first word of this scripture together. What is it? What is it? Flee. Flee. Not flirt. Flee sexual immorality. Flee. Flee. Not be careful. Not watch out. Not get as close to the line as you can without falling over. But it says flee. Now, here's what I know about every single person in here. You may not even believe in God. You may not believe what I'm saying right now. You're like, "Ah, I don't think so. That's cool. I don't care. You can disagree. You don't have to agree with me. But this is what I know about every person here, whether you're a Christ follower or not. When it comes to your spouse, when it comes to your husband, you want them to what? Flee. When it comes to your wife, what do you want them to do? Flee. When it comes to your kids, what do you want them to do? Flee. When it comes to your little brother or your little sister, what do you want them to do? You want them to flee. When it comes to your best friend, what do you want them to do? You want them to flee. You want every other person to flee. You're just not sure that you need to flee. Folks, every time God calls us to take a sacrifice like that, every time he tells us to say no, he doesn't do that without giving us A bigger yes. A better reward. I mean, God doesn't look from heaven and he goes, 
I know some of them have a high sexual drive. And so what I'm going to do is make them suffer. Suffer! (laughs) No. God is not like a masochist trying to create pain and suffering for us. This is who God is. He's created a plan because he knows it's the best plan. It's the best plan for you. God says no because of a bigger yes. Every time we flee, every time we say no, every time we walk away, God is going to reward us and bless our lives. We say no to a bigger yes. Folks, God's desire is for your life to be blessed in this area, and he knows it will only happen in a committed marriage. Now, fellas, I know it's hard for us because we're very visual, most of us, and when we see images, we're just like, whoa. And all of it, you know, for much of my life, every time I would look at an image of a woman uh, on a screen or on a magazine, I'd be like, man, she is buff. 100% buff. She's not 100% buff. You know what she is? She's 100% brushed. You know what brush is? Airbrush. That's what I'm talking about. Every single one of them have an airbrushing to them. And so what happens with husbands sometimes is they look at something and then they're like, well, why doesn't my wife look like that? And you know why? Because she's not airbrushed. And what happens is we compare all the time our spouses or girlfriends or whatever to somebody else, and it's not fair. Because everything that you see on a screen or in a magazine is a fantasy, and it's not fair. So what I would challenge you to do is to say no to a bigger yes. Because sexual sin, more than any other, creates pain. Because it involves your body. It involves your mind. It involves your spirit. It involves your emotions. That's why when people have sex before marriage and they're in a relationship and it's very sexually driven and all of a sudden that relation gets broken up, there's pain and hurt and guilt and sadness and you feel horrible about all kinds of stuff. Why? Because that's not the way it was intended to be. It's a gift practiced in marriage. Scripture says this, though. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God can give you the strength wherever you're at to say no to a bigger yes. Now, if you would, I'd like you to imagine right now that this stage is this ledge of the stage right here or this edge is a ledge, and everything over here is sexual sin. You fall off the edge of the ledge. Now, let me ask you this question. When should you determine to say yes or no to sexual sin? When you're right here on the ledge? Okay, it's our word of the day. Some of you don't want to say it, but what is it? No, 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 no. You don't say it right there. No, you, you say it here, right? What's the word? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Well, no, you say it right here, right? Because I'm still... No. You say it right here 
when the temptation first comes so that if you stumble or you fall, you don't go over what? The ledge. And what happens all the time? I've counseled so many people. How did your marriage break up? Well, I was talking to this guy, and we were talking to each other. We're just friends. We were at friends at work. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Hey, you want to stay after work tonight? We have a couple things. To... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Hey, you want to go get a bite to eat? You want to go to the bar after this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you want to go see a movie tonight? Let's go see a movie tonight. And then pretty soon it's like, whoa! And I get all the pain, all the hurt, all the brokenness that lands. And it all could have been prevented and stopped had the person, when the temptation first came in the coffee room, in the break room, hey, how are you doing? Well, I'm starting to feel something that's a little bit different. If they would have just said what? No. That's hard to do. So, in this area of poor no... What are some of the things that you could say no to in this area this week? First of all, you could say no to second and third and fourth looks. Guys, women in general, someone's beautiful, they're good looking, you can't help but notice, hey, they look good. But then you don't have to go like this. Oh, second look, third look, fourth, whoa, you know. You could say no to that. Also, you could say no to any website that's inappropriate. No to channels that you flip through. No to sexual romantic comedies that you look at or novels that you read. No to some Daisy Dukes. I'm going to show him tonight. Boy, I'm going, we clubbing tonight. I'm going to show him. Yeah, you'll show him. (laughs) Nothing low cut. I don't know what you need to say no to in this area, but this is what I know. If you say no to something in this area, it will lead to a bigger yes in your life. Last thing. It's what I call, oh no. Oh no. This is called the busyness syndrome. When I first started the jar, I would go up to people and go, hey, how's your day going? And you know what they would say to me? They'd go, fine. Now, when I ask people, hey, how are you doing? How's the family? How's your day going? You know what they say? Busy. It's busy, 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 busy. I'm busy, 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 busy. You should see my schedule. I got stuff all over my schedule. Top to bottom, it's just, whoo. And do you know why people fill their schedule so much to feel busy? Because somehow we've equated busyness with importance. That if I'm really, really busy with all kinds of stuff, that shows that I'm important. And that people need me. Or even if it's with your kids. It's like, well, I want to get them involved in everything. And they're like, you know, zipped up in all kinds of stuff. Because they're like, mom and dad, can we just have a moment where we just can be kids? And it's because we're busy. Folks, what we need to be looking at is not all the things we're doing but all the things we're not doing. Not what we're adding to our schedule, but what are we subtracting from our schedule. 
Don't tell me all the times that you've said yes. Tell me about all the times that you said no for a bigger yes. Because if we're going to get closer to God, folks, if you want to get closer, if you want more peace in your life, if you want more love, if you want more understanding, then you have to say no to some things in your life so that you can say a bigger yes to God. So just like last week, I want to give you a moment of honesty. And up on the side screens, we're going to pull up all the three no's that we talked about. And which of these areas do you need to say no to? Is it Drano? Man, I got some leeches, some people. I need to set some boundaries. I need to cut some things out. Maybe it's techno for you. You actually are just addicted to technology. You're always on it and you're losing relationships. Maybe for others of you, it's porno. The, the sexual temptations and your sexual life is messed up right now. It's just out of whack. And maybe for others of you, it's, oh, no, it's, man, I'm so busy. I've got my kids busy. Everything's busy. I need to pull back and give some more significant time. So what is God prompting you to say no to today? That you could work on this week to say no to for a bigger yes. And Jesus says, I'll help you. And this is how he says, I'll help you. Scripture says this. He says, come to me. Say yes to me. Say no to the things of the world. Say yes to me, and I will give you, what's it say? Rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you a sense of my presence that the world doesn't know and the world can't take away. So I'm going to invite our prayer team to uh, come up. They'll be on the side of the screens up here. If you'd like prayer for anything, they'd love to pray with you. And I just invite you to stand uh, for a closing prayer. Now, this is the way we're going to close today, is I'd like you to look up on the side screens and just ask God, God, which of these things this week do you want me to work on? And whatever that is, that you would say no to one of these things so that you could say yes to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come right now and reveal to each person in this place which of these four things, just one of them, that you want them to go after this week. Loving God, we come to you today and we really do want to get better at saying no to some of the areas of our life so that we can fully say yes to you. And so maybe you're standing there today and as you looked at these words, you're like, Drano, that's mine. I just have some leeches in my life. I have some people that are sucking energy out of me. I'm not setting any boundaries. This is the week I need to say no 
to a couple of those things so I can say yes to God and to replenishing relationships. And maybe for others of you, you're sitting there and you looked at it and you're like, techno, man, I'm on my phone all the time. My family tells me that. People at work do. My friends. God, would you help me put some boundaries on that this week to just say no to some of the social media that I do or other things and to just take a couple of moments, God, to say yes to you, to spend some time with you, to say yes to significant relationships in my life, to go out and play with my kids or go work out, do something, be a part of a small group in this community. And maybe for others of you, God, you were prompting to them this hard one, this sexual temptation, this porno. I'm going to say no to all the things that have created so much hurt and pain for me from my past. And I know it's going to be hard, but God, you could help me. So as I say no to that, God, would you help me to have moments with you where I say yes to you? And then maybe for others of you, it's oh no, you're just so busy, busy with all kinds of stuff, always saying yes to everybody and in doing so, your life is so full and you don't have moments to just be. You were created to be a human being, not a human doing, but you're just doing all the time. And so maybe for you today, you'd say, oh no. And you'd cut some things out of your schedule. Maybe some of you, as you're here today, you've, you've said no to God. You've said no to him. Or maybe you drifted away and you've been saying no, but now you kind of drifted back and today would be your day where you'd say, yes, I need you. Yes, work in my life. Maybe today's the day where you say no to the things of this world and you say yes to Jesus. Jesus, yes, I need your forgiveness. Yes, I need a fresh start. Yes, I need your love. Yes, I need you to guide my life. And if you're at that point where you've said no to God so long that today you're willing to say yes to him, I'd invite you to just repeat this prayer after me. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray together. And so if you would, if you just repeat this prayer, but it's your prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of love. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that for the first time. Welcome to the family of God. Glad you're here. And if you did say that in the back corner here, Tom Truesdell's there. He'd love to give you a Bible and encouragement. And I've been waiting to say this. Don't leave yet. Bring toilet paper next week. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody.